a groundbreaking ceremony for a new factory. Did she mention seeing anyone who was sick? Anyone on a plane at the airport? No, she said she was jet-lagged. The average person touches their face three to five times every waking minute. In between, we're touching doorknobs, water fountains, and each other. Beth! No, no, uh, uh, go up to your room, honey. So we have a virus with no treatment protocol and no vaccine at this time. You had a seizure this morning, Beth. Is she before? a history of seizures? No, no, no. Allergies? No. As of last night, there were 32 cases. Unfortunately, she did die. Right. Can I go talk to her? Mr. Amos, your wife is dead. What are you talking about? What happened to her? What happened to her? Is there any way someone could weaponize the bird flu? Is that what we're looking at? Someone doesn't have to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing that. Watch this. It's transmission. So we just need to know which direction. On day one, there were two people, and then four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're headed. They're calling out the National Guard. They're moving the president underground. People will panic. Get away! It will tip over. The truth is being kept from the world. Cook your samples, destroy everything. Hello. I need you to get me the names of everyone who serviced this room. It's an emergency. You can't panic now. I know. I'm gonna get you home. I got people too, Dr. Cheever. We all do. Don't talk to anyone. Don't touch anyone. Stay away from other people. You're back in your car! We're not sick! It's figuring us out faster than we're figuring it out. It's mutated. This is the script. The podcast for screenwriters by screenwriters. The deepest story analysis anywhere on the internet. On the script, we believe story moves pages, story moves product. Story moves people. Tonight, a special edition analysis of the film Contagion. I'm David Negrin. My screenwriters tonight are Alka Kushalani and Christina Leith Malin. I'm so happy to be back with you guys. Um, I think we want to begin this podcast with a shout out to uh, the first responders and frontline health workers in New York City, all over America, and all around the world. Alka, Christina, how are you guys doing? It's good. I mean, as good as can be expected. Um, like I was saying, I think, you know, um, we're missing something this year. Um, my son's a senior in high school. He's not going to be walking for graduation. He's not going to prom. And, um, you know, my daughter's in eighth grade, so they have their own graduation traditions end of year traditions and we're missing that but other than that you know it's fine we're in quarantine we're uh touch wood healthy we're doing good yeah well that's a blessing christina yep. how are you and yours yeah i i think uh, I kind of agree with Alka. My daughter's graduating elementary and all of her senior activities are canceled too. But, uh, you know, it fluctuates each day, each minute. 
you know, there's ups and downs. And I think uh, through other tragedies, whereas you come together and you hug and you cry it out, this is a little bit rougher for people because it's an isolation uh, situation. So you can't, except for the people that you're stir crazy with, you don't have the ability to run out to a bar and hug someone. So yeah, you're good days and bad. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I'm happy to be back with you guys. I'm happy that I'm healthy and safe and my loved ones are healthy and safe. Um, and we're all New Yorkers. So, you know, I know we all know people who are going through rough times, um, either with health issues, with financial issues, and just the stress of this, um, amazing time we're living through. Um, so I think that's how you and I, you all of you guys and I started talking about doing another pod about um, films that address um, the idea of a virus outbreak, the idea of post-apocalypse, the idea of dystopian uh, storytelling, um, and we started talking about, you know, what movies we could uh, analyze because this is what we do. And I think it's important in this time to keep doing what, what we do. We write, we analyze films, and sometimes we podcast and, and uh, get together. And so I'm glad we're, we're doing that. And For the record? Yeah. I hope that someone champions that we do something like Mars Attacks next. Just <laughs> Well, you know, uh, what we, we discussed a bunch of things, right? Uh, we discussed doing some, you, Christina, you brought up doing something like The Road, which is a fully post-apocalyptic story. Um, we talked about Train to Busan, which is a, a zombies. zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Zombies, yeah. zombies, <laughs> zombies, zombies. Film yeah. 101, right, is we like to see ourselves projected on a screen. We like to see our ex human experience in this, you know, particular format. And I think that is what is so powerful about watching or re-watching these films at a time like this, is that you really get that full uh, experience, the full impact of what that experience means as a as a film person as a writer as a person in the audience and we're living through this extraordinary time yeah and it's also very interesting that because we're quarantined we have we a lot of not just film geeks like us but the whole world is watching tv series and film thanks to streaming technologies um and Contagion, a 2011 film by Steven Soderbergh, who we all know very well, but he's you know considered a, a, a bit of an indie director. The whole you know the rest of the world doesn't know him. All of a sudden, Contagion shoots to the top of the charts uh, because for some reason people want to watch um, a story about what it's like to go through a, a similar thing. And um, Christina, when we started. Uh, messaging about this you said you started watching it and you're like i'm afraid this is a little on the nose and a little triggering and as i was watching i felt the same yeah uh <laughs> i i don't uh that laugh is kind of a nervous laugh i i honestly i 
really love the approach that both you and Alka want to focus the podcast on, like purely script structure. What about the screenplay? Um, you just can't help but, as Alka said, a human story that is so apropos for the current times is going to be triggering, is going to hit a bone, is going to hit a nerve, even if we talk about the structure. If, is it a three-act, chronological, what, what is it? It's still, oh my God, this particular scene, is, it resonates. Things that resonate, I think that goes back to what Alka says. The more it resonates, the more you're interested. It's just emotionally, how strong are you to handle how close it may be to your own particular um experience so i i i appreciate that and i think why don't we you know normally we do a bunch of segments that are screenwriting related let's do let's do our screenwriting format uh analyze this the film from a screenwriter's perspective and then at the end let's do a segment that's like a life imitates art segment and let's discuss our closeness uh to this film and the experiences in this film and how they, they're similar to some of the things we're going through uh, living in this time. How does that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. With that. Why don't we uh, do our classic uh, one up and one down? Let's get into it. What's the greatest strength and the greatest weakness of this film um, from your guys' perspective? Alka? Um... Okay, I will go first. I think, um, I love that there are two inciting incidents in this film, right? So the inciting incident that we work with is Gwyneth Paltrow gets sick and she dies, right? That is really what kind of sets everything in motion. But at the end of the film, they go into the real inciting incident, which is the bat, the pig, to Paltrow. Do you know what I mean? And that is really, I think it's done really artfully. I think it's done really beautifully. And, um, you know, it's one of those ways that, you know, Soderbergh as a filmmaker kind of really makes this work as well. But I like it and it's, you know, in its script form and I like how it's um, executed. So that is my one up, one very strong up. Oh, down. one down. Do, yeah. Are we gonna? Are we doing each like one? Okay. Um, this is where I'm going to be very petty. <laughs> um, I'm going to say two. Th I'm, again, I'm going to say two things about the down thing. Okay, we're going to begin with Jude Law's tooth. <laughs> Jude Law. Why does he have a crooked tooth? I mean, does anyone think like, oh, this is like this? I have is an opinion on this. I have an opinion on this. Jude Law, even with the crooked tooth, is a whole snack and we need to acknowledge this okay we that's the, just, that's my answer is he's he is just too good looking to just, be a fringe blogger <laughs> character the casting of jude law he's like a, a god among men he's they one of the handsomest people i've ever seen in my life well they had to do you, something to give him a little bit of like okay the, so they gave him the, the two, blogger the, edge like the the guy who lives in his basement thing but what i same down I think like what I think needed to be developed further in, and it's embodied in this character is this idea of misinformation. This is something certainly like we can get into in our life imitates art portion, but I think um, he 
deliberately misinformed. He pretends to have um, the illness and, you know. And, and develop a cure for it. And yeah. he has this like natural cure. He's anti-vax. There's something that's really, really compelling about this character. And I think it just, it wasn't developed enough in a, in a way that I felt was truly dangerous because he was just a blogger. I mean, we are dealing with a president who is misinforming. Now that, those are stakes, you know? Whereas this, it's like, okay, he's a blogger. He's got, you know, he keeps informing us about his unique visitors. That's but, very, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some blogger with 12 million followers, right? Yeah. Yeah, what is, that's what is, you feel what is it's dated right there, yeah. right? Bloggers were, you know, dangerous. I, I mean, I mean, this was ten years ago, right? So this, you know, 10, you 12 have, million probably is a lot back then. Now you have Fox News. Now you have Donald J. Trump. So mm. it's not enough, is my point with the down. Okay, the Christina is like gonna. She is gonna get me. What is she gonna do? Christina, one up, one down, please. One one up one down um okay so sticking to the film my my structural one up was how acutely they compartmentalize cdc versus who versus the government and when the government steps in can it be weaponized and then we really see that it isn't so much about saving people and this is probably real world but is as much as like, can this be used as a weapon? Do we have to stop real researchers from moving forward? Uh, the U, U of C professor moving forward on it because now we need to keep it to ourselves as Americans, scared that it's gonna be weaponized. And to think about that globally and how they showed that, portrayed that to us makes me really think, you know, sometimes when we have cures, but we slow them down because we don't want guy A and guy B that are not part of the government because we wanna make sure it can be weapon. That blew my mind structure story-wise and i i think i didn't because i don't live in that world of cdc who so deeply unless there is an epidemic or a pandemic that i didn't realize how much of a game of chess you know these types of situations can be for real world experience that was totally my one up my one down was fucking hollywood machine of course the bird two two parts to my one down uh of course the the bat to the pig, to the casino. Um, so this is this is all cultural one down with this. Fucking Hollywood with making Asians the villain again. They they did it in Outbreak as well, starting with the whole Asian scenario about bad Asians. You know, I don't like that. I don't think, considering there are a lot of Asians that are being victimized right now, and in other other instances, I don't think it was good that our A story or the way I saw an AB story is like one story is the disease. One story is the, the Caucasian white perfect family, Matt Damon, that goes through all this hell. What about the fucking chef who was the first person to touch the pig? We don't hear anything about his story. No, this has to be a Caucasian family story that we put as, as a B story to the disease. And I don't like that, that it has to be the Gwyneth Paltrow that carries the whole story. The other half of that B down, down one down is that um, although you like the the secondary inciting incident, Alka? I hate it. I call it the clumbo. I call it the murder by death. If you've seen Murder by Death, where they keep telling you, and then this is how it all happened. Let me break down all of the blah 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 blah. 
no, I hate that. I hate when you can't insert it into the film, but you have to, at the very end, give us this kind of whodunit, uh, Hercule Poirot uh, explaining of everything for us. The story was about the human experience. So whether it came from a bird or this or that, I, I don't, I think that secondary inciting incident really only pissed me off. So, and it wasn't about the bird, I mean, the bat and the pig. Yes, we know that we're gonna die from something inevitably crossing with something else, something pooping someone else's mouth, but they didn't need that. And it wasn't really germane to the story that, that they had spent an hour and 46 giving us. So that was my, my secondary, it's always cultural with me. Fucking don't victimize minorities in my world. I hate that. And don't give them, don't, don't take away their B story. This, I would have loved if the story was about the, uh, the chef and him going home, which he never came back up. And he's the first one to touch his coat <laughs> in our, uh, our, our end of the, end of the film uh, montage. So. I think you. I think you really hit on something with the genre, and maybe after after uh, one up, one down. I was going to ask about genre, um, like what genre are we playing in here? Because uh, Soderbergh is known as originally an, uh, uh, a uh, an independent filmmaker, and a lot of his films have an independent voice. But then he does. He has gotten very good at wrapping them in a Hollywood friendly. Uh, structure like of a of a thriller or a disaster film and this trick this this surprise ending that gives us sort of the backstory on the backstory that you guys keep referencing um is you know it's it's a, it's a twist you know it's like a hollywood twist and yeah does it have to do so much with uh the human stories in the film not so much does it have to do with how they found the cure um but you know I think that it satisfies is yeah it, it is yeah it is satisfying and it is beautiful it's not it's not about like I mean I want to get into why it's like he why doesn't is it satisfying like if it's if very end you show our the... need to know who did it okay but, okay why, how did this happen because they've gone okay realistically into the world of the pandemic so it's like as a viewer you are very you know it is a very satisfying ending. And epidemiology is this that we get a, a taste of in this. It, this becomes a little bit of a procedural, you know, story about what an epidemiologist does and how they investigate. Great. And that's part of the story. And like finding the index patient and things is a little patient bit about zero, yeah. how they solve it, right? So I think it's satisfying in the in that you know it opens with this day two and the population and then day 14 and then day right. 16 and then doing a quick flashback to day one um but here's it, the question with that yeah. okay getting that explained to you who really let's be honest who's patient zero who touches the pig and you know i feel like it's still the story didn't wasn't as indie because it didn't start with the chef why didn't we never hear anything about the chef? But he's patient. He's patient zero because yeah. he touched Gwyneth. But we're yeah. making the blonde Hollywood chick patient they zero for respect, the story. Listen, they don't respect Gwyneth Paltrow any more than Alfred Hitchcock respected the character yeah. of Marion Davies. Okay, sure. it is really a very um, interesting way they deal with her and with Kate. Winslet, talk about like fearlessly killing your darlings. 
You've got yeah, like well, these. Okay, sorry, David. You were. No, a lot that. of people have been calling this like the oh that that Gwyneth Paltrow like um, uh, outbreak movie, and I think it's just because maybe she's a, a better known star. If 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 this is anyone's movie, it's Kate Winslet's movie, right? She's the first scientist. Actually, it, it sort of weaves together the story of three women scientists, right? Starting with Kate Winslet then Marion Cotillard at the WHO, and then uh, the third uh, woman who's at the CDC, who's you know finding the cure and eventually experiments on herself. Yeah. yeah, so to me, those three characters, they're kind of like all on the same plot line, even though each one of them, Kate's character uh, gets ill and dies. Uh, Marion Cotillard gets kidnapped in a fairly like, very Hollywood kind of, we're going to kidnap you just so we have a kidnapping this movie situation. Um, and then the doctor solves the problem in the end. So I think, you know, I was and thinking- you see this... Gwyneth Paltrow's like skull, like they peel her skull down mm -hmm. and they show it to, she's not like kind of venerated as like this perfect, you know, screen goddess. She is absolutely no, but her world like, is her world is definitely the B story. Her husband, her B son, story is the daughter, the prom. No. I know, but I'm the saying the story story they go scene. through. They go through each day of that this narrative. There's but always a Matt Damon scene I, or Gwyneth Paltrow scene or the daughter prom. There's that family is always in every day of the narrative. If you notice, which that, that's I think is important. It's important to do the science story as the A story, the mission, and then yep. a human story as the B story. Or and so no other people that. do you really, except for Lawrence Fishburne with his wife, you don't see a family B that, that's fleshed out to any extent. Okay, so I didn't get my one up, one down, but I'm gonna speak to this. My one up for this was the human, courage and vulnerability scenes in the middle of the scientific uh mystery right um yes the matt damon family the girl and the boyfriend being separated they want to kiss but then there's a, there is a chinese official at one point who's talking about his mother has symptoms then we find out his mother later had been buried in a mass grave but they there's villainize that character remember when i said when they make them the kidnappers that's true. Yeah, he becomes the kidnapper, right? Which to me is very far flung side plot. It makes no has no place in this film. Doctor Cheever, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne, he's tempted to tell his girlfriend slash wife that she should get out of town, and I think that was like a great like human conflict in the middle of this. Um, Kate Winslet, when she's dying. You know, she's got this like guy next to her who's shivering and her last like uh, her last like, you know, healthcare worker instinct is to give him her coat before she dies. Um, so I thought just having a lot of that, all of those human moments in the middle of a science mystery is the strength of this film. It's the biggest okay. strength for me. Okay. Um, I think the there are a few things that are very hollywood that just you know sort of i don't know like the the entire thing with the kidnapping and marion cotillard goes ends up in some village somewhere and then you know three months later she's been kidnapped and she's like teaching the kids now like she's what is cool that? with 
which is yeah. cool with the whole thing. Like that didn't that didn't make sense. To me. Even the reverse on the giving them the fake uh, the fake um, vaccines. I, I felt like that was a just... big. This plays into a big plot point in this film. I disagree with what you guys have said. I just want to go on the record. Well, there, it's definitely plot connected. It's definitely plot connected, but can't I, be I, not. I mean. It's, it's all, it, it all makes sense plot. for the plot, but some of it feels out of the right, the tone of, like, you didn't need it. But the whole second half back of to the genre, film like, what does he do? is yeah. about the haves and the have-nots of the pandemic. And that's exactly okay, why the village, so he And that he, is exactly why this guy who is kind of like, he's a scientist, he's her colleague, right? She is okay. definitely senior to him. He's an Asian guy, but she's senior to him. She's with the World Health Organization. He is somebody who is local. And he really takes it on himself to save his village, right? And he's like, I know how this is going to play out. This was not misrepresenting Asians. I am an Asian woman. I'm going to say this was not represent, misrepresenting Asians. Because this is a guy who went in to this situation saying, I know exactly how this is going to play out. There's going to be a vaccine. And my people are not going to get it. So here's my insurance policy. That's why it's an important moment. And that's why it's like, um, it, it's the whole second half of this film hinges on this idea of a vaccine, of who gets it, how does this, you know, and it's like the Lawrence Fishburne character calling in Sanaa Lathan and telling her, don't freak out, don't tell anybody, but come, come to Atlanta now, get in the car. Mm. You know, it speaks to- uh, Oh, and the, and the janitor overhearing it. Yes. yes, and the all of those not. things happen because that is the theme of the second half, which yeah. is, okay, now you're in the thick of it. Now you're in it, and people are going to go crazy at the grocery store and the pharmacy. There is going to be misinformation, and then there are going to be tears of those people, like people who are going to get it, people who are going to, you know, the vaccine, that is, people yeah. who are going to get in line like everybody else, and the people who are desperate. I, I think what you're saying is, is 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 makes so much sense now that you're you're bringing that up as a second half part because I I did feel the second half uh, of the film after the midpoint is when um, the films the situation in the film the stakes in the film are actually a lot worse than where we are in our in 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 our lives right now with COVID nineteen at the midpoint of this film the movie, you know, the country tips into anarchy. There's a breakdown of social services, military enforcement of border quarantines. Nobody's picking up the trash anymore, right? Like, and yeah, and so it it's way worse. It becomes uh, yeah. post-apocalyptic. Matt Damon is in line for like food given out by the military, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, why is Matt Damon here? And that's how bad the situation is. Matt Damon's in line for food. And he's trying okay. to keep his virtue, like he helps some lady who falls over, but then he also storms the truck with the mob. Okay, so here we go. I'm with that. And I feel like we are there now because, but it's again, I, I feel like a Hollywood thing. And maybe I'm just like the always gonna get mad about it. Like poor Matt Damon, white guy in a wealthy suburb in line for food, right now in our real world there are many parents that are not white and wealthy in suburbs that are going to schools 
where they're still giving out free breakfasts and lunches. So do we really need a scenario where we say poor white guy in the rich suburb reaching for food? Or do we maybe need to see a more urban, more realistic person that would be doing it? I feel like that's very stylized. So that we don't feel that's too awkward so at seeing Soderberg someone that's a maybe black or Latino or, 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 or uh, Asian. is a formalist, okay? He is not a realist by any means. He is not making your like, he hasn't made an indie film since Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which you could also say was very formal. You know, it was like, he is a formalist. That is what he does. He is not, he is not going to get down and dirty with anything. Well, I think he probably said, I need to get Matt Damon in this movie. So I need some big names. He always works with them. Yeah, he always cool. works with them. Also, you know, Lawrence Fishburne and three... Uh, you know, famous to semi-famous women actresses are the leads in the A story. So I think he was for 2010, for 2010, and for a white male cis uh, a filmmaker, um, this is this is this was pretty much the standard at the time. But Not then I ask you it. this: Not that we can't do better. If we had had all of your Caucasian Hollywood stars in the WOCDC, and we had actually shown more of the real poverty level, would it made it more realistic to you? Like, did you, I just feel like making the B story poor white family in the suburbs was a cop out and wasn't as realistic as even the, uh, the reporter, the news, the newswoman who was pregnant. She had a, a couple of lines with Jude Law and then a picture memorial and the one place where she asked him for the vaccine. That was an interesting storyline, a pregnant woman trying to get a vaccination, a Latino pregnant woman trying to get a vaccination. I thought that was very, but that wasn't, a, that was never gonna be, for all of the family stories that got fleshed out in the pseudo family B to the, the disease A, the one that was the, the main fixture was the Gwyneth. And I would have loved if more of the non- cookie cutter stories that were little snippets here and there. Even um, Jennifer L, the uh, E-H-L-E, Jennifer L. Yeah, yeah. even her with her dad, like their exchange. I loved all that of- That scene made me crazy, oh my God. When she they takes were, her mask off, yeah. I'm like, this guy's a doctor, he's coughing all over her. She's like just taking the vaccine. See like, how you're connecting. Vaccine. It's, I was like, that's what I'm saying. All of our other, all the baby bees were much more interesting than the bee they gave us. Well, I think, Christina, I think that is, uh, you know, that is a point that that is not a Steven Soderbergh vehicle that you're talking about. That is right. something else. That is like, you know, this is Steven Soderbergh's world. Yep. You know, even like the first few people who die, these are some good looking people, you know? <laughs> Like they only are like, hot people die first. Only hot people on the only like hot the, people take touch of the woman who goes to London. Oh, it's, she's it's like a supermodel. For, it's bold for an Academy <laughs> Award-winning actress to let her brain be torn open. Like, oh shit! Oh wait, rewind, guys. She was in Seven. She was decapitated. They okay, never showed it. They didn't wow. show what was in the box. What's in the she box? Showed, they showed what was in the box, David. Was there? What's in the box? Maybe I look away. Maybe I, look away <laughs> I know what time. was in the box. Okay, I know it. Don't tell me they didn't show what was in the box. I saw what so was in the box. So let's just say Gwyneth is okay with having a little head work or head play yeah, or head. She's fine with the head work. Yeah, isn't, doesn't that make you a little happy? Like, okay, she is like, you know, like 
mainstream Hollywood star. And we saw like her head was like scooped out her head. That's just badass effects. Let's just not even let's not credit the effects. Was there any gore in this that you liked, Christina? Was there anything? There's no gore in this. No. No, Okay. There was there anything effects wise that you thought was memorable? Uh, You know what? uh, You guys didn't pick up on. Yes, her head was open. But do you see how her tongue was nice and blue and it looked very rabbit-like? <laughs> her two little teeth stuck out and her tongue was really... That was a very good effects head of Gwyneth. Like, top to bottom, not just the head flip. But the tongue, the it was a good good job. But that wasn't acting. That was effects. Did David get through his one-up, one-down? Are we just, like, the worst? I, I did. <laughs> I, got, like, I did. got through it. We jumped uh, on it. We're just, like, railroading. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think what would be interesting to talk about now is the genre conventions. Was this a disaster movie? No. Was this a post-apocalyptic, uh, uh, like, survival film? Uh, or was it an outbreak film? Is there an, its own genre, the outbreak film? What do you guys think? It definitely was an outbreak film. Uh, just because, like... But, it, but then, then how do we define Before, during, it? after, it's adoring. It's kind of adoring. It's not after, it's not before, so it's not a post-apocalyptic and it's not going to the point. But it's, it's I, I dare say, we have to say there is a category for outbreak pandemic type movies because the far cry different from seeing rock like swing on a vine and break through a, a, a 12-story building. You know, it's not skyscraper. So they shouldn't be put in the same kind of, and I, I, I don't even think we should call it pandemic. I think it's just a drama, a pandemic drama, but like, it's not action. There was no action. There wasn't any kind of like John Claude Van Damme running around. So. It was a thriller. They, thriller they were, fine. They were against the clock. Okay, they were working against a clock. Right. It was built in, like from and and they were uh, in this film. They were showing us day two, day thirteen. They kept showing us how many people were dying. So to me, when you build in a time clock from the beginning, where uh, you know, one of the basic definitions of thriller is that the antagonist is trying to kill the detective while they're tra- solving the crime. That's just exactly what's happening here, right? The virus is trying to kill Kate Winslet. It's trying to kill Lawrence Fishburne. It's trying to no. kill all these people while they're But I think you're mistaking solving. that for, for a structured timeline. It was more chron- chronological. It wasn't like we have eight days to save his life or her life that was more just keeping you on track to say like this is how long it takes in the real world to solve this it was a timeline i don't i didn't feel any urgency i followed characters i followed them emotionally but i didn't feel any extreme urgency like at this point it's all over or it's going to explode and usually with thrillers you think there's there's a moment uh, a moment of of explosion if they don't meet this deadline by that time there wasn't any kind kate of by that dies like kate a lot Lincoln. of people die like yeah. does it, but it didn't it didn't we didn't all just go oh my god we kept moving so she wasn't the end all of the film and there there really isn't an end all I like how, you know, he respected the real randomness of a pandemic, right? It felt very, like, grounded, right? Everything felt grounded. Everything, and now we are all experts, frankly, right? right. We can say it felt very grounded um, in how he had no regard for the fact that he was killing off Gwyneth Paltrow. He was killing off Kate Winslet. And, you know, it was, that made, that was what was 
thrilling and good about it was because he had this, you know, he played with that landscape in a way that felt like, oh yeah, anything could happen, you know? Like you didn't know with Matt Damon and his daughter. I mean, he shows up to separate the daughter and the boyfriend with like a shotgun and you're really thinking anything could happen because, you know, he set up a movie where really like he's killing off people that you're like, oh, they would never, you know, when you talk about film theory, you know, like you always think, you know, when you watch um, a Brad Pitt movie or you watch, you know, um, any one of these big star vehicles, you kind of know, okay, he's not going to die. He's not going to be the one. And this movie doesn't really have regard for that, right? You're left even with a question of Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence, Fish Lawrence Fishburne gives up his vaccine dose. I would well, is that possibly too, because we don't have a true protagonist? Well, it's a multi-character, multi-plot. Yeah, know? it's a multi-plot film. I yeah, multi-character, multi-plot. So each I, do, I do think we can draw a line through the three female scientists who are trying to... It's the CDC is Kate Winslet's. She's trying to, she's trying to stop the virus from spreading. And then um, Marianne Cotillard is trying to organize the WHO. effort, right at the at the WHO at like a larger level. And then the scientist is trying to find the vaccine itself. So in a way, those three women's characters are sort of one large. There is a line. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good point. They're like point one favorite. large protagonist. Jennifer and Kate are both CDC. It's just one's in the field and one's more hands-on with, with the virus, right? Yeah. And, one's and a scientist a of... and one's an investigator. So one's like a detective and one is a scientist. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's a multi-plot film and you're killing off like main characters and I think they're sort of passing the torch between the three uh, uh, medical uh, investigators in this case. Um, but then we do get a few, you know, subplots. We get the family subplot with Matt Damon. We get the, the blogger subplot with Jude Law. Um, am I forgetting any of those subplots? With the Marion Cotillard kidnapping. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with him and his family. Small sure. village. Yeah. Um, and the, the janitor. Like is the, there. Brian, what is Brian Cranston doing there? I oh, yeah. He was the rear admiral. I feel like, actually, uh, Christina made an allusion to this earlier about the she was interested in the intrigue between all the organizations. And I forgot to mention um, the name of the screenwriter for this. Usually we do that at the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, but it was written by Scott, Scott Z. Burns, who wrote The Bourne Ultimatum, The Laundromat, and The Report, which is very recent. So he is a, oh, he is a, political thriller guy. And so the fact that I think you latched onto some of the political intrigue makes sense. I liked it too. I, I, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to see that again, the, it feels like to me there were, if we, if we take it, we don't make it cultural. So we don't say it's an Asian villain thing. Then again, we've gone back to that Hollywood. The government is the villain because they're the ones that are trying to suppress any other uh, researchers from helping the CDC when they're scared that it can be weaponized, which I think is kind of a lazy thing. And that's why we're, we're like 
humph on Brian Cranston because we know he's a stunning, phenomenal actor. But here they just have him as this cookie cutter. You can't do that. Give us all the stuff. Don't share it with anyone. And we we know that we we've done that a million times with Tom Cruise. So having a governmental uh, government villain kind of scenario, I think it's lazy. But it might be truthful. It's just. I, think, I mean, it's interesting though that there's no president, right? And the, no, we didn't really bring no... him into that. Lawrence the, the Fishburne, leader. the CDC is doing all the briefings, right, Alka? Like, love, yeah, no, but, and they love these institutions, right? You can definitely feel like the heroes are coming from this well, right? Yeah. Whether from the WHO or the CDC, and it really kind of, um, it really respects those organizations. I mean, you know. Wait, it, what if it's, it's not that we have a person that's a protagonist what if the cdc as an organization is a protagonist i mean pretty much They're, that's where all the investigators are coming out or, or the health organizations the health bureaucracy you know because even when they go to minnesota they're talking they're not talking to the governor of minnesota it's the minnesota health department doh and the doh are total dicks about yes. well i don't want to get them this is thanksgiving weekend we can't do this every time the government steps in they're dicks but, but uh, no, in that case, what I was saying is not that they're dicks, but they, that they were dealing with the health professionals in every case. It was never a governor. It was never a president. It was always because, you know, Soderbergh and the screenwriter took for granted with, with their, you know, scientific uh, 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 consultants and their, their epidemiology consultant who by the way, was like on the news a couple of weeks ago because he has COVID-19, um, all assumed that the people at the podiums and making the decisions would be doctors and scientists, right? That's if there's one thing that was naive about this film is that there wasn't more of a Brian Cranston sort of takeover of, of everything. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah, think I was I think too busy that, saying that leadership, the leadership that. portion, whether it was, you know, in the positive light, like this is what you need to do, or whether it was in a negative light, which was like represented by Jude Law and spreading that misinformation. Like these were the two, I, and I don't know if we hadn't lived through this, whether I would feel this way, but these were the two like real weak points because it was so kind of but that also mirrors our uh, that also mirrors our experience now in well, that okay. we are kind of like we don't know where to turn you know so maybe that's a piece they got right too it's just um you know when something like this happens we become like this headless monster that kind of doesn't know where to go well, just think about it from a writer's aspect, and I'm still latching on to the government versus the, the health organizations, um, exchanges in dialogue. If we look at it via the Obama administration with swine flu, as a writer, I would say this is a little lazy because it makes a contentious uh, scene between DOH and the, the, the organizations, very contentious. And I would think to myself, Obama would probably try his best to work or an administration under Obama would try their best to work. So that dialogue would be like, I really see what you're doing, but how can we make this better for the people while protect, that's the way I would see the dialogue going to be its strongest. And in the dialogue we have before us is the contentious. But if we put this same dialogue against the Trump administration, 
it seems right on the nail. Like you're idiots. We're not, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Just, we have to protect ourselves. So in a way, <laughs> the, the, the way the, uh, the fight fight <laughs> for lack of better words right now, um, the, the dialogue fights, the, the, the dialogue fights each other is very fitting with our current administration. And it seems very truthful. Whereas it seems like lazy if we compared it to our past administration. So it's like, how, how do you perceive it? In my mind. Yeah, well, I think these filmmakers assumed science in a health pandemic, in a, vi a health emergency, the deciders would be scientists. And that's a very liberal, progressive assumption to make. And it's, you know, in, in uh, looking at our current situation, it's really interesting. Although, you know, there are uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Fauci, who's now sort of a celebrity, you know, for being this uh, doctor, this health uh, guru who's navigating the politics of the current moment the best he can. And we hear about governors in other, in other states sort of uh, putting up with insults from Trump because they don't want to lose... Um, uh, access to, to resources. I think that would be an interesting, um, uh, higher stakes uh, dimension to the plot of the film. I just don't think they could have imagined it. I don't think they imagined, a, you know, like so many, a Trump-like figure. Yep. Um... Oh, did you also notice, not to to segue off of that, but like, I feel like the, the, in your, like a three act structure, they use montages to kind of break up and move us to like the next stage, like the montage in the beginning and then a montage with Marianne Cotier where she, yeah. she has, she does. And then another montage before we went into who gets the vaccines again with Marianne. And I'm like that, I don't know. I, I, I really would love to hear because you guys probably know a lot more than I do about Soderbergh as a director and what his um, his antics are with his visualizations and some things that are typically Soderbergh in your opinions. Yeah, you I picked up on it on something that he does a lot. Um, his uh, Soderbergh shoots a lot. Uh, he, he's usually behind the camera himself. Um, and so I'm I think he shot if let's say there are seven plots in this film. Um, if you separate all of the scientists, um, I think he probably shot, you know, an hour's worth of story for each of them. The entire Marion Cotillard montage, I, where, where she's like figuring stuff out. I was like, that's like there, it was shot in multiple locations. Like that was way too much time. They, they shot that whole thing. Soderbergh usually puts together a first assembly of his edit. That's like, six hours long. And then he just works to cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. And so we end up, a lot of his films that end up this way, montage very moving from place to place. Um, and no, no, no one story explored very deeply. A lot of stories that are connected explored, you know, to a superficial amount. So... This is, I think that's, this is on par for him. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably for me, his um, most successful film um, since like 
sex lives and videotape. Like, I think these are the two things that for me personally, I have enjoyed of his because I find that he is sometimes, he does kind of make me not care. There's something too formal in his work for me uh, as, you know, my taste. But um, this is good. This is really, I think there is, in spite of the fact that we have multi-character, multi-plot, like um, this kind of, we have this momentum that's kind of unrelenting. I think there's a lot of heart here, you know? There's these moments of heart, like he sticks it in with Jennifer Ely and her father. That scene made me crazy. Um, there was this scene with John Hawks, right? And um, Lawrence Fishburne, where Lawrence Fishburne is giving John Hawks' son his dose of the vaccine. Oh, and yeah. he explains to him, like, do you know where the handshake comes from? The handshake comes from, uh, you know, showing somebody that you are not armed. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, you know, it's just like so human, this like small little moment in the greater, you know, panorama of this movie that is just like, there is, there's, there are these moments of real human connection, of real, like, you can feel the love among these characters. That's that where is this the trick succeeds. of this movie. Is, I don't yeah. think Soderbergh does that particularly well, but this is, like, really heartfelt. I, I saw, I wanted to second that. I, I saw an in, uh, interview on a Netflix series called Off Camera with Matt Damon, where um, they knew in the script where um, Matt Damon's character finds out that his wife is dead. They discussed, Matt Damon talked to us in the interview about how they discussed how are we going to do this? Are we going to do the, just the, the cliche where he just breaks down like dramatically crying in the middle of it? Or will we do the hand on the wall, he called it. He's like, he's like what's that? He's like, you do a, a shot that's like really far away and all you see is over quiet, no voiceover. You just see the doctor mouthing some words and then the husband's hand goes to the wall, <laughs> like in, in agony. And uh, they discussed it, I think, with doctors. Uh, a doctor who had said, um, you know, what's it, they asked the doctor, what is it like to have to tell people that their loved one has died? And the doctor's response was, most of them can't process it. Like you have to stay, stay with them for several minutes and say it again and again, because it's too big a thing. And so that, that human moment of Matt Damon, like where he's like, your wife is dead. He's like, yeah, but can, can I see her? You know, where- That was where, a powerful moment. Yeah, like that stuff, that's the kind of stuff you're talking about, right, Alka? Like, yeah, that- He didn't even say, can I, I see her? Fun. He's like, can I talk to her? And I was just like, I felt awkward. Like he didn't just hear that, did he? It was a great moment. I will give you that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, most people remember that prom moment, right? That prom moment, prom moment always felt kind of a little- Forced. you know sentimental and kind of little ott for me but this moment was so genuine like yeah but can i just go talk to you or the handshake thing you know there's i these, like the handshake thing that yeah. was great and it was like these two worlds it was like, and you it was know like it advice a theme. grandfather would give to a grandson like you know but no but it was also like so within that theme it was so tight with the theme of now who gets it now is like where the have and the have not 
it's like Lawrence Fishburne is like a suit. And I think John Hawks is like, is he a parking janitor? He's a janitor. janitor. Like he's definitely blue collar, white collar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these two people just connecting as humans and kind of moving beyond that idea. But it's still like as a, like as a written um, document, it's so tight within the theme where this guy is, you know, really crossing a line right he's crossing the line to give this kid um his vaccine it's just like to me those are that's that's the those are the that's that's what we can take away from a film like this at a time like this right okay and you hope that there are people like that you hope that there is a scientist who's just injected herself with you know the covid19 vaccine and she is well, we, we know for a fact that there, there are nurses and doctors putting their life at risk every day right now just yeah. by going to work, right? Yeah. They don't have to be experimenting with a vaccine on themselves. They're already doing this right now in New York City. That 7 p.m. applause, you know, gives me goosebumps every time I see a video of it, you know, um, and so, yeah, we, we, we do have so heroes. Explain, explain for somebody who doesn't know what's going on, David. Oh, yeah, and a lot of people don't. Well, they don't know what the, what, what the 7 It started in is. Italy, right? But at 7 o'clock in New York City every night, there is, uh, uh, in the streets, across from the hospitals, from the, from the windows, um, and uh, anywhere in the city, you can hear an applause, a banging of pots, all in tribute to the healthcare workers, the doctors, uh, the first responders, who we know are fighting this antagonist right now, yeah. all day, twenty four seven. While and for we a lot trying- of us, like who live in apartment buildings, and we're all kind of in our own little bubbles. I don't know which of my neighbors are home. I don't know. And yeah. for that one moment at seven p.m., I hear them. I hear my neighbors. I'm like, oh, they're still there, you know. And it's nice. It's a really nice communal, like, um, it's like a celebration every day that yeah. there are people who are doing really fine, good God's work, you know? Yeah. I mean, why don't we, why don't we fi- finish up by talking about how life imitates art? Like where, you know, what did this movie remind you of? What did it get right or wrong that you're going through right now or that you know someone who's going through right now? I'll start off by saying that, um, as of course you two know that I had a lot of trepidations about doing this tonight because I am in Brooklyn and for the for those of us along with Alka and David, you were a Brooklynite. Uh, it's a dense borough. All of the boroughs are dense and, and we've been hit pretty hard. And I just wasn't sure how close to home this is considering I have friends that are in the trenches in the healthcare profession and I have uh, uh, that are getting, you know, the pots and pan uh, salute every 7 p.m. And I have friends that have lost people, you know, at the first week feels like, a, a, especially with your kids home, <laughs> it feels like snow day. And then, you know, now we're in the third, fourth week, you can't help, especially in this town, to not be connected to someone that's had a loss close to them. So it, this, this movie, I think, for all that in it that might be triggering to some um 
is is really good, especially for what Alka brought up in those poignant human moments that ground us in the fact that, you know, there is love, there is kindness, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel, regardless of the administration, that there are people working to find the end of the tunnel. So I think that was my takeaway. Alka, what's been real for you? Um, I think, you know, I want to talk about it like, you know, in terms of screen, you know, script structure also. Yeah. So I was watching this film and I was kind of trying to pinpoint, like, where are we now? Right? And there's really no way of knowing, like, exactly where we are. We are four weeks into a quarantine, for the record. You mean where, where we, are we according to the movie? Yeah. Like, okay, where if, are we our movie, the if our lives were the arc of this film, mm -hmm. right? Let's, let's go to that. We're where active. are we now? Yeah. Right? I was really thinking about it. As I, was I was thinking about it through the whole film too, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so we're at the point where we have a certain amount of um, chaos still, like you do in the first act. Um, we have a um, vaccine that's been worked on by maybe... I don't know, between eight and 12 companies, I think, are working on a vaccine. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard to, to guess. I think what was, feeling, what was making me nervous about this was that second act. So let's talk about this, the midpoint um, uh, of this film was really a number of scenes where you understand this the theme that they're going to explore in the second half and that is who gets this vaccine okay so the vaccine is coming the vaccine is being worked on and um it is kind of explored in this marianne cotillard's kidnapping um kate winslet the, the lottery the lottery and well uh, it's also the lottery but it's like in that in the midpoint right it's like Marianne Cotillard's colleague, her, her Asian colleague is like, I know how this is playing out. I'm taking you with me as my insurance policy, okay? Kate Winslet, they're trying to move her. I mean, they move her to a special hospital, but they're trying to bring her back. And she gets usurped. Yeah. Um, you mean she and, does? you know, like Lawrence Fishburne is calling his fiance home. So there are all these things that are Probably, you know, we've passed that. I felt like we've had that moment where, you know, like you heard about the senator selling their stocks and you've heard about, um, you know, the mass graves and you've heard about, you know, so I feel the like- The paying for testing, right? Yeah, the, the, the test that test. nobody else seems to get. Right. So we're kind of past that, but I don't, I don't know how far we are from that. Because right at this moment, we are, um, we're waiting for Dr. Fauci, the head of the CDC, to kind of say to us, this is the date. This is the date we're going to move forward. We're going to go back to something resembling our lives before, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't 
know when that's happened. You know, today is a day, like we started in the opening of our um, podcast, kind of saying like, today was the day that um, Bill de Blasio, our mayor in New York City, came out and said, we are not going back to school for the rest of the year. So it does not feel like that part is closed, like that part where you are either, you either get some kind of respite or you get some kind of treatment or you get some kind of vaccine or something where somebody tells you, okay, on this date, you can walk out of your house and go anywhere you want to go. So we're somewhere beyond the midpoint, but who knows where. Yeah, the, I would put it. But the other, the other I thing, and if we are, but go ahead. Sorry. I, I, th- I, sorry to interrupt. I, I was going to say that I felt the same, you know, the same way, you know, trying to figure out where we are according to this movie. And in the second half of the movie, shit gets way worse than where we are, right? Um, because the 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 country goes into anarchy, um, and. At one point, they mentioned the mortality rate of the virus in contagion is like mid twenties. Like, so that's way worse than the COVID nineteen mortality rate. Like, this is like killing one out of four people who get it, which is way worse than COVID nineteen. And also, you know, the the number of people who are getting it, um, you know, in the film ends up being, you know, in more like, uh, uh, more like. The, the Spanish flu numbers, like 40 million, 60 million, 80 million. So I just kept wanting the movie to get worse so that it would be worse. It would be way, you know, it would make me feel better about where we are. But what didn't get worse, what, you know, we are in the isolation and we are in the amount of same amount of fear and we are experiencing these losses, this kind of like, slow loss of our freedoms, um, our high school graduations, our proms. Um, I'm, as a teacher, I'm, you know, like teaching remotely now. Um, I, a lot of teachers uh, are losing their jobs. A lot of um, people, all kinds of people are losing their jobs. Our economy is going in, uh, you know, uh, into an emergency state. And so, you know, there are some things that aren't in this film that we're experiencing. That is not in this film, and that is a huge concern. And yeah. Certainly a major concern of our leadership at this moment. Well, that's, the, I, and I'm going to tap into that as well. I know we're trying to conclude this, but the, the biggest problem is that I feel, and I'm not taking us down a dark spiral about the current administration, but I think other administrations, just like Burning Man has done recently, would try to project an end date to give some sense of hope and some sense of organization about like what we can look forward to to your to your to what you said out there and we don't have that so even did they post they made the call yesterday to make it a virtual event oh it's going to be a virtual event okay Mm -hmm. so and even that that tells me, okay, I'm not going to buy a plane ticket or, or you know, or I'll, I can start to rejigger my thoughts on this particular aspect of my life, but we haven't really gotten that from our government, except for de Blasio, but like we need it on a bigger scale. In this movie, they get that. I feel like that's why we're not at the midpoint in this. We are not at the midpoint of the movie because at least they got vaccinations and it came down to, we only have 400,000 and there's this many million, but at least they had, we're not even at that point yet. 
you know? I had the finding of the vaccine by the third scientist as the break into the third act for me. That's, that's what I had. I didn't have it as the midpoint. Um, I had when she finds the vaccine as the beginning of that her choice to inject herself was like the I had that same point. part of the low point. And yeah. so then there's a great cut from, there's a cut from that scene with her and the doc, her father, where we're all like, no, you're like all the other scientists are dying. Like, don't do this. And she's like there with that beautiful moment with her father and her father's like, and she tells this story uh, about the, uh, the, the, the doctor who uh, figured out that, the the, uh, the there was a bacteria that caused a stomach ulcers and he experimented on himself and then he got the he got a Nobel Prize for it and he you know the doctor father who's sick is like you know gets teary because he's thinking oh maybe his daughter is going to get the Nobel Prize um, so to me that that was the beginning of the third act and then the third yeah, act was I agree with that completely David a That's lot exactly about what I had. A lot about the uh, the third act conflict was what you guys have said already is that who gets it and who doesn't, right? Um, and getting back to life. This film doesn't end with life back to normal. The film ends. But the prom was supposed to be that kind of giving you Hollywood closure with the pseudo prom well, in the and house. And the kid but shows up with his wristband with the, with the wristband and they have a prom so that's supposed to tell you your hollywood norm is that she could have a little prom in her house i like that i liked it i thought it was good because they're not out of it yet yes i think that was a good i mean it was it was a little maudlin okay it was a little <laughs> overly you know whatever um manipulative but i think it is um it is that thing that kind of tells you like yeah, just, you know, her turn, her name will be drawn. She'll get her vaccine. And I like that they they gave us this, um, I don't know how quick, fast vaccines work also. That was another concern I had watching. <laughs> like, that dude showed up, like, he got his vaccine, and two seconds later, he was like, baby, I'm home. And... <laughs> And same thing with Jennifer Ely with her dad. Like she just injects herself and she walks right in. He coughs in her face and she's like, no problem. Right? <laughs> so, uh, you know. To me, that's, really you know, this is, this is actually appropriate that we are left thinking about how long are we going to have to be inside? How long till we get our vaccine? You, Alka, you, Christina, our families, how long till we get ours, right? You know, and I mean, there that, is, that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. And there is like a lot of talk about a vaccine that was already delivered in Asia because in Asia, there are fewer cases per capita. And there was a vaccine that actually um, I received because I was born in India. And they're finding that people who had this vaccine are, they have this immunity. I'm not testing it. Is this it. a I'm conspiracy not... theory or is this No, real? this is real. And so in okay. Australia, they're actually, they've started to administer this vaccine. What was the vaccine for? It was for it's some other BC, disease. It's for, it's for tuberculosis, which when I was born. Is was... it called forsythia? It was not. <laughs> You're wrong. It was wrong. not called forsythia. 
She's not Jude Law. She doesn't have a gap. Just stop it. Jude Law did not administer. We almost got away with uh, conspiracy theories on this podcast. We no, it's true though. It is there is something called BCBG or BGBC, something like that. Tuberculosis. It is. It was given to children um, as part of their regular, um, you know, uh, what is inoculation you know part of that regular okay if fbi come to your door tomorrow morning don't wonder we are why. podcasting live I don't know watch why. out i i inform you i tell you what i know and this is what i get and you know what i feel like i feel like a character in this movie <laughs> and that is also um but but that said that is that is um something speaking of course Cynthia, we have not touched upon the glorious score by cliff martinez can we just give him a little shout out this is gorgeous music this is really perfect music it captures like when they're in asia he captures like asian kind of um you know melodies and stuff without ever losing the thread of what he is doing and it's really it's really gorgeous it's one of the um it is i'm gonna just confess I use this as writing music from time to time, the soundtrack to Contagion, and I have for many years, and I bought it a long time well, ago. Is that your, is that your, your meditation writing music? Things, like, I just put it on. Like, there's certain... Okay, certain things you mean you use this for sexy music, don't you? Just be admit. admit. Contagion? Certain no, things. No. Certain no. things. Yeah. No, the, yeah. Cliff Martinez has a great score for, for traffic as well. I don't oh, know. Oh, there we go. He was was one of uh, Soderbergh's earlier films. So. No, um, this is this is one of the top, you know, in terms of original music. It's beautiful. Do you guys uh, have any last comments? Anything you didn't get to say on the podcast? Something you want to say to the world, to uh, about the film, the filmmakers, about pandemics pandemic movies living in a pandemic it's very funny i just want to put it out there that i literally have the film up on my secondary screen and i've stopped it at 56 minutes and 51 seconds and the funniest screenshot which i'll share in a bit is um uh um a stand full of purell and I just wow. think it's so apropos <laughs> in the Boy, current time. We got so much right. Right. Really, really. And they're, you know, and that's, that's the thing that um, I think um, I am also struck by is how many times we have heard and administrations have heard and governments have heard that this is the thing that could have taken us down. People have been ringing the alarm on the pandemic for I don't know how many years, how many books have been written, how many people have been kind of, you know, in various, using various platforms, been talking about this very thing. And, you know, we all kind of were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even. It's okay. This movie movie was 10 years old. All of the stuff that we've kind of Ebola, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's, that, that can happen, but it hasn't, 
played out like this since 1918. This this so, movie's ten years old, and I read an article about what did what did Contagion get right and what did it get wrong, and it's like 95% right. You know, there's a couple of things in this movie, like um, they t they mention the phrase social distancing in the film. Yes, they do. Doing it yep. in the film. Because we are now experts on what social distancing looks like, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm so, yeah. so it's not. So that's like one one thing they didn't get right. But they talked. This this film got so much right. Talking about you know um, the the concept of the R not like the reproductive rate of the virus, the concept of having not having enough hospital beds, the concept of. Um, surface transmission, the formite transmissions or whatever they're talking about, how many times we touch our face. Um, even, even that plot point where the government um, shuts out the lower level lab, the CDC says only uh, biosafety level four labs can do this work. This okay, actually well, Elliot, happened. Cool. This actually happened with the with the with the coronavirus test. It happened. It's why one of the reasons it, it started rolling out in America so slow, and why other countries roll it out so fast is the CDC had to have the higher level national labs create the test so that they could have control. Was that a health decision or was that a bureaucratic decision? I don't know. Was it good or I bad? I don't know. But this movie predicted that. it. This movie predicted it. Yeah. And it was it was it was. Um, you can 100% see the words being said in the current administration. Can it be weaponized? <laughs> no, but I'm saying no, military but, usually thinks like that, so it makes a lot of sense. I thought, I thought in this film they were asking, was it weaponized? More like, is this a terrorist attack? rather than, oh, we can use this against the bad guy. No, the guy says those exact words. That, like, I wrote that quote down. And the whole idea of shutting down Elliot Gould, even though he's the one that, uh, I think he's the one that found the third strain, was the idea that we want to have control. Of, I honestly, I'm going to be an Alka right now with her saying she got, the, she got a vaccination on her hands. I'm going to say live that I've I'm deadly afraid and I pray that it's not the truth and I'm speaking out of tongue, but like that the current administration plans for a vaccine to go wide closer to election time to look like a hero. That's what makes me very afraid that it's, that it's strategic and it's not for the welfare of the people. That's what makes me terribly afraid right now. Yeah. I think it's amazing that this film, if this film had had a president or a politician using the global pandemic for um, political uh, manipulation and victory, we would have said, oh, this is such bullshit. We would have called it crap. Yeah, we, we said, said that would never happen. Ridiculous. Number one, we, we never elect someone it. that, yeah. We wouldn't have believed it. And so that's, that's another part that's important, a reason for us to reflect on this film is to say, look at the things they got right and look at the things you they couldn't even imagine that are happening now. Well, I will also add to that and talk about fears going forward with another Jude Law observation. Oh, um, <laughs> Christina, get your head off your desk. A tooth comment, tooth comment. Um, the, the deal with Jude Law that is also really important is that he kind of represents that 
anti-vax movement. And, you know, I am afraid that there will be a new resurgence. Like say there's a vaccine, there's gonna be all these people coming out of the woodwork saying it's dangerous. And there'll be a new wave of misinformation and God knows what else. That, that is what it- um, I, I think you're right. I think all the conspiracy theories and, um, uh, and, and sort of reflex, uh, 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 what do you call it? Like um, sort of, uh, the more time you're in a isolation and the longer we're in this, this, this quarantine situation, the more people are going to go stir crazy, the more they're going to want to act and do something because we all want to do something about this, but we can't, the more that you're, you're going to find fringe people, you know, and, and uh, you know, insecure or scared or fearful people, you know, creating conspiracy theories or maybe acting towards them. We there's already examples of you know hoarding food, uh, of Toilet trying paper. to trying to sell you know products for uh, you know Purell for forty dollars and things like that. So yes, yes, maybe we can end on this. Yes, there are people who are going to take advantage of this situation, but there's also people, there are heroes out there who are, you know, running towards the danger and making, showing us what humanity can do and what we can do, uh, not just in in fiction, but in reality. Last thoughts? No, that was perfect. Perfect. Guys, it's so good to see you. Yeah, same yeah, here. I'm same glad here. that you, you guys are. We got the are... band back together. Even yeah, it's good to get the band back to together. do it. We 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 have to talk about what would be next in our pandemic edition. Horror, horror. Horror. Let's go more. Yeah, more more dystopian, more apocalyptic, because then it's less close to home. But thank you guys for for uh, inspiring this, and thanks for watching a movie that made you feel. Uh, you know, in my feelings. Yeah, it was it was difficult. It was really close to home. Yep. Uh, yep. I Thank uh, you, David. Thanks, thanks for Dave. thanks for having us. And um, you know, it was good to actually like think about something in a you know, something like this in a critical way, in a um, narrative way. That was really, you know, that was the upside. All right, guys, I, I, um, I want to thank uh, Christina and Alka. Um, you can join our Facebook page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. You can email us with questions and comments and complaints at scriptfeed at gmail.com. I'm David Negrin. Now go set a timer for 10 minutes and write something until the timer goes off. I'm down for that.